0: Like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life. With Gary Hertzberg on CliffCentral.com.
1: I'm Gary Hertzberg and this is The Laws of Life on CliffCentral.com. Alongside me today, Lionel makoko Welcome, lines. Dumela like Gary and Dumela like to our podcasters. Yep, today's show is about gun laws in South Africa and joining us are the two South African experts on the subject. Firstly, We have Paul Oxley, chairman and founder of GunOwnersSA.org. GunOwnersSA.org. Welcome to you, Paul.
0: Good afternoon. Good afternoon, listeners.
1: Did I say that right? It is GunOwnersSA.org.
0: Yeah, Gun Owners South Africa is fine.
1: Cool. Attorney Martin Hood is joining us. He's the specialist, uh, attorney specialist in firearm law and security legislation. Love having Martin in studio. Welcome again to you, Martin Hood.
2: Hi. Thanks, Gary. Hello to everybody.
1: Today we'll be talking or taking questions from our collaborative partner, Legal Talk South Africa. They have approximately 133,000 plus uh, Facebook members. I think it's one of the biggest groups uh, in South Africa. Our Facebook page, The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg, if you have a look and give us a like. And uh, lines, you want to give up the Twitter handle? You want to <laughs> if do I to remember you. <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, it's at Hertzlaw, H-E-R-T-Z-L-A-W. Well done, Lions. Excellent. Paul Oxley, Chairman and Founder of Gun Owners Association. Uh, GunOwnersSA.org, as I call it. Then people can go direct to your website. You have how many people on your Facebook page?
0: Um, well, we actually have members on the Facebook page because we set up that way. We're a Facebook group. Yes. Uh, we're running on about uh, 33,000, just over 33,000 at the moment.
1: Magnificent. Wow. Yeah. Who are these people?
0: <laughs> That's the most interesting thing is uh, – One typically has the idea That that gun ownership in South Africa Is is reserved for a certain demographic Mm. Uh, But I invite anybody To go and visit our Facebook page Go and look at the members Um, Page down the members uh, Through through the members You see they're the most diverse demographic You can imagine Um, There's a lot of ladies on the list There's a lot of uh, people from different political parties Who who make no bones about about their affiliations Um, We really are we with every man, and every woman, of course.
1: <laughs> Paul, uh, you—you're um, a gun owner, a firearm owner. What's when did your interest peak or take take place, really?
0: <sighs> uh, if I cast my mind back, probably about standard six um, when I was in school. Um, did you grow up in was, in the city, or no? I grew up oh. well, pretty much. Grew oh. up on the east end. Okay, uh, and and yeah. Took to it like a duck to water, never looked back. It's it's been a part of my life, a major part of my life ever ever since. I sold my first racing bike, um, my first bicycle actually, to buy to buy my first firearm yeah. um, when I was still in school.
1: Martin Hood, your interest in firearms. When did that
2: take also, place, also yeah? from a very young age? Um, I grew up in a slightly different environment um, where firearms were possibly a lot more available, so I was exposed to them, but um, around about uh, standard six, I was in the school shooting team and um, from leaving school, I went through university, I was a long-haired liberal, uh, didn't like a lot of things. You wouldn't and expect <laughs> you to have been a gunner. <laughs> <laughs> the photos say it all. Yeah. And then um, after leaving uh, university, did my articles, and as soon as I started my articles, I bumped into a, a colleague who was a firearm owner, rekindled the passion, and at it's been like that for nearly thirty years. Wow. Gary, if I can just say sure. about Goza as well, and oh, yeah. I think Paul is underselling Goza. Um, the traditional firearm organizations have been very perceived as very white and right, to put it bluntly. Yet since nineteen ninety four, If one looks at the pattern of firearm sales, um, many, many firearms, particularly self-defense firearms, have been sold to black people. Now, that's not a scientific poll. It's just looking at names and looking at addresses Mm. in firearm registers. Mm. And um, the existing organizations have failed uh, to attract uh, new firearm owners, if I can put it that way. And through sports shooting, in particular in this country, um, GOZA has found that area where everybody can interface, particularly um, through social media. Um, they ask questions, they can get answers, and Paul is 100% correct in saying that they're very broad, but I'm going to go one step further and say that in all probability I think it's probably a 60-40 non-white split. Yeah, that's which, about right. Which, which, is, which is amazing in the current context, bearing in mind that there's many, hist- ne- many negative historical connotations attached to firearm ownership.
1: The South African legislation Firearms
2: legislation is very complex
1: I believe, I don't know too much about it You're the expert Martin Um, Tell us a bit about it between
2: you and Paul Well, still staying on the issue Of demographics Um, Mm. uh, Until the sort of mid-1980s If you were not a white person you couldn't own a firearm legally Mm. So that kind of Also demonstrates The the background of firearm ownership And perceptions in South Africa Um, When we Had democratic elections in 1994 the government indicated its policy would be to repeal a lot of what it, what it called apartheid legislation and one of its priorities was being firearm control so in 2000 through a long process we uh, had the firearms control act promulgated it was only implemented in 2004 as a result of the regulations and just to give listeners an idea um, the act is about 150 sections and the regulations run to um, a similar sort of number of uh, sections as well. Um, the drafting is cumbersome and very complex, first of all, and um, it is so badly drafted in many, many respects that it's capable of more than one meaning. Mm. So th- the legislation has not enjoyed a good passage through the courts. It's been the subject of interpretation on many, many occasions, and it remains problematic to the extent that we're probably going to have a fourth or Fifth set of amendments shortly um, Later this year
1: What kind of laws could there be In one act really When you talk, you say 150 sections Or what, what is there can Paul, he, uh, yeah, yeah. You want to take that one more or, I,
2: I, I'll take it to start and with And then Paul can continue yeah. um, we, we, live, we live in an increasingly complex society And that complexity Extends throughout all spheres of life and one of the, one of the ways, unfortunately, that makes it complicated is the way that any government tries to draft legislation. Governments have moved away from simple, easy to understand, easy to implement legislation. We must bear in mind that we have, um, many, many levels of education and cultures in this country that don't necessarily lend itself, lend themselves very easily to understand, understanding complex legal documents. And that is a huge problem. It's a, mm. it, it's a problem, nothing to do with firearms legislation. It's a problem to do with legislation board, in general. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so governments have gone into an environment where they seek to regulate everything. In fact, over-regulate everything, um, down to the minutest detail. And that is why the legislation on the one hand is so complicated. On the other hand, it also, uh, has become outdated in many, many respects. Um, simply as a result of advances in technology. For example, the Firearms Control Act does not deal with electronic sales. It doesn't deal with the Internet. So we have a very complex piece of legislation that even I sometimes struggle to understand as a lawyer who specializes in it. Mm. And we have uh, legislation that rapidly is becoming or has become outdated. Yeah, Paul, you want
0: to? Yeah, I, I just wanted to actually take you on a journey a little bit further back than 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 what, where Martin has started. Very um, few people are aware of this, but uh, firearms legislation in South Africa actually started way back in the in the in the Cape Colony, um, where the where the very first firearm laws were drafted to dispossess black people from firearm ownership um, during the the what's known as the Basutu Gun War, um, where. The, the colonists were pushing further and further into into t- traditional lands and they were coming into contact with, with, uh, with the Basutu specifically. and the Basutu had armed themselves by trading with the, the early traders. Um, and it had proven to be a significant thorn in the f- in the flesh of the, of the British colonial government. Um, and the very first gun laws were were brought in, were introduced by the Cape Colonial Government to try to dispossess Black people of firearm ownership, and that incidentally was one of the was one of the prime causes that that led to the formation of the, of the ANC. And it's kind of odd to see the ANC now sitting on the other side of the table, mm-hmm. whereas their 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 origin was uh, one of the reasons for their for for, the, for their existence was to to fight against the the disarming of their population. They are now the active participants in in following on the National Party's uh, campaign to disarm the South African citizens. It's kind of weird.
1: Yeah. Mm. Mark, you want to take that further?
2: Well, um, I'm going to bring it – being a lawyer, of course, I have to be factual and practical. Um, There was a a report in the early 1990s to the Goldstone Commission, which was the ANC submissions uh, on – Uh, inter-Nicene violence particularly in the Tal and they had a policy on firearm ownership which um, formed the foundation of uh, the Firearms Control Act and that policy was very clear and in fact it was repeated by Fakili Balula this last weekend in the Sunday Times and that was that they didn't believe that a firearm was necessary for the purposes of self defense Mm. and they also saw only a very restricted use for firearms in other environments such as uh, Sports shooting, hunting and collecting. So I think in fairness to the ANC, they have been fairly consistent with their attitude that they want to remove firearms from society. And they indicated that it would be an incremental process. So that's something that we must be very aware of in as much as that incremental process has not changed. Mm-hmm.
0: So like a giant leap away from their founding, uh, purposes. Yes. Uh, interesting that you say that, Martin. I, I don't know if you've picked up on the news today, but uh, um, we are chatting about it in the car when on the way over. Um, that at there, there's, there's the moment there's, there's a very sad situation. There's a couple of policemen in in Johannesburg were hijacked this mm-hmm. afternoon. Um, and some of them were recuperating in hospital. They were shot by the hijackers. Um, so we have a situation in South Africa where the, where the minister of police Makes so bold to suggest that so that civilians shouldn't be armed because the police can protect them. Mm. The problem is the police are being attacked, yeah. and the police can't protect themselves, let alone Joe public. Mm. So where does Let's, that leave us? That,
1: this is a very important issue you raise, and I want to take it up with Martin. Last time we did the show about a month ago, it's a great podcast. We'll refer to it later. We were dealing with how you protect as, as Joe public yourself and your loved ones against hijackers and, and robbers and all the rest. The question is, Bart, um how far can the police go in protecting themselves? Section 49 is uh, the, of the Criminal Procedure Act is something you always refer to.
2: And it's something that I try and steer away from because Section mm-hmm. 49, again, um, has become so complicated as a result of various court judgments trying to take into account human rights, which obviously we have no difficulty with, but uh, the police find themselves under siege in the sense that um, they are expected to carry firearms, they are expected to protect people, they're expected to protect themselves, but at the same time they have to comply with laws that they may not understand. They get inconsistent and conflicting public statements from cabinet officials. Yeah. Going back to Susan Shabangu who yeah. said shoot the criminals. yeah Absolutely, shoot to kill. Yeah. So, yeah. so, to kill. so yeah. again, uh, and I'm going to criticize the police in another context shortly but we have to take into account the position that law enforcement officials find themselves in insofar as there is the law but then you get cabinet ministers and Fakili Mbalula and is the most recent one who simply says, break the law and I will cover you. Now I can tell you in a court context that would not happen. If he had to go- walk into court and say, yeah. I allowed that person to break the law, therefore you can't prosecute him, a judge or magistrate would turn around and say, I've got news for you, cabinet mm, minister, the law is the it. law. Yes. So these police officials are in a very difficult position. Yes. Having said that, though, I have to say this, and this is my big bugbear, the Firearms Control Act restricts civilian ownership. What is a sense of massive irritation to me is that um, the police are totally exempt from the Firearms Control Act. So that means, in terms of training, Mm. so that's an issue that relates directly to to what Paul is saying about them not being capable or equipped to to defend themselves. But more importantly is, it is not an offense for a police officer to lose their firearm, Mm. which Mm. means that a police officer, if they so choose, and if they are so corrupt or criminal, they can sell, hire out, lose their firearm, and it is not a criminal offence. So there is no consequence. And that speaks directly. They can hire it out? Oh, yes, it's absolutely. It's common. They hire out their own firearm. Mm. Um, what, to criminals?
1: Gary, yeah. I'll,
2: I will give you one specific uh, example. Paul,
1: Paul is also jumping uh, at the bit, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I will give you <laughs> one
2: simple example because this wow. is one that I have personal knowledge of. No names, no places, but a, 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 a mine that's in liquidation on... The East Rand mm. Mm. Um, security company was protecting it and they had a large number of shooting incidents and they found that there was a pattern. They found the police vehicle would go from a police station and it would be seen near illegal uh, miners' settlements mm. and within an hour there would be a shooting incident involving a semi-automatic or fully automatic rifle. Mm. And I was there when we picked up ammunition cases that are state issue. And the security officers uh, obtained evidence that showed that an R5 was being used. Wow. And that R5, which is fully automatic, can only come from the South African police services. Mm-hmm. So that was, a, 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 to me, a very credible example of where there was direct Um, usage of a police firearm by non-police officers. Can can
1: he be charged, the policeman, if he's found hiring He can
2: only be charged internally because he's not subject to the Firearms Control Act. I want to give another example. Is there nothing under the Criminal
1: Procedure Act or anything that you can think of offhand?
2: I can't think of anything offhand because he's just giving possession of a firearm to somebody else, which is an offense in terms of the Firearms Control Act, but he's not subject to the Firearms Control Act. Mm. I want to give another example. Um, there was a well-documented uh, poaching incident where a rhino was shot in Bella Bella several times with police-issue R5 rifle as well. They collected the bullets and they collected the cases, and it was state issue. So I think it's quite credible to More turn More widespread around. than we think. Absolutely. Paul? Wow. Well,
0: well, beyond even the, the, the renting out, which is, which is a thing, yeah. um, we have the situation where, we, where we've statistically analyzed it, and, and, and uh, whereas civilians get blamed frequently. For being the uh the source of of firearms in in uh, in unlicensed hands in criminal firearms or for, for firearms in criminal hands um the statistics actually tell another story the statistics tell us that, that 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 civilians are or that the police are between eight and twelve times more likely to lose firearms under their control than what civilians the civilians are now that 's a frightening statistic to start with but then we then we then we go further and we find that the that the Police are, are, are in charge of firearms, which are handed in during amnesties or confiscated from people, and those firearms are sold out the back door. Those firearms end up end up back on the street, being used in crimes, um, and it's it's a it's a particular.
1: So, so, so the legal yes. firearm owner is being blamed for crime.
0: He's well, being blamed for crimes. Yeah. There's another issue which is which is quite interesting, and I'm yeah. sure Martin is aware of this. Yeah. Um, but very recently, in the last couple of years, um, thanks to the Firearms Control Act, uh, those state institutions, which are not the police and not the South African Defense Defence Force, which are exempt from the, the Firearms Control Act, but people like Parks Board, um, anti-poaching units, um, ESKIM, uh, Security, NERSA, people like that um, – their firearms are now are now licensed firearms. They are no longer exempt from the Firearms Control Act. So they are licensed firearm owners. Mm. Their firearms are licensed under section twenty of the Act, which is for security officers. Yes. Um so so very often when the police cast statistics out there and say, But oh, look how many civilian firearms have gone missing. They're counting in the state firearms, which are now no longer uh classed as state firearms, which are now owned by National Parks Board or NERSA, or Atomic Energy Corporation, or any one of a plethora of state uh, institutions. So we're getting the blame for, for firearms which are being lost, and even then, the firearms which which we as the public are losing are to a far, far, far lesser degree at risk than firearms which are issued to people who are who are not bound by the Firearms Control Act, who do not have competence, who do not have training on the firearms, adequate training on the firearms. Yeah. How scary is that? If
2: yeah. I can come in, if I can yeah. come in there as well quickly, Gary. Yeah. Um, if it were not uh, particularly for the print media, but the press in general, yeah. a lot of these issues would go undetected. There's been a number of well-documented exposes of firearms being lost in police storerooms. When you say lost, you put inverted commas. Lost. They've been <laughs> sold or stolen, and I'm going to yeah. come to a specific example because this is also in the public domain. And that is of Colonel Chris Prince, who sold 2,000 fire- He was the provincial designated firearm officer in Gauteng. He was in charge of destruction of firearms in Khateng. And he'd sold at least 2,400 firearms, um, in the Western Cape to a known gangster, which has been now linked to a number of, uh, uh, deaths and over a thousand deaths, in fact, that. So the, there is the, the leakage of firearms from the police themselves. And I've also been in parliament where the Portfolio Committee on Police have walked in and said to the top management of the the South African Police Services, and we're talking Deputy National Commissioner level, that's one below the top, Mm. they've said, tell us why guns are getting stolen from police stations. And those senior police officers were not even aware that those thefts have been reported in the press. And there was two in particular. There was one in Belleville and there was one in, um, I think it was Cryfontaine, I can't um, remember. Munnenberg. Um The day before, they appeared before the Portfolio Committee, and those senior police officers were not even aware that automatic rifles had been stolen from one of their police
1: disgraceful. stations. Mm. It's disgraceful. Mm. Actually. Mm. Mm. Let me ask you this, if I may digress for a sec. In the UK, police don't carry guns, as we know. Should uh, that be the kill? That's incorrect. Is
0: that incorrect? Plenty of armed police officers in the UK at the they,
2: About 50% of police officers in the UK have received firearm training. And depending on the location, um, there are many police officers, not necessarily uniform police officers, um, but different units, particularly mobile units, um, have access to firearms. So that's either in their cars, on their person and in far more frequent instances at a police is station. Is
1: this as a result of terrorism, or is it, a, uh, is, is it as a result of crime that they're getting go- uh, firearms
0: more and more? Uh, pretty much crime in general, I think. Uh, really? I think if we look at the latest stories coming out of the UK, the people are bemoaning the fact that the, that despite the apparent lack of firearms in, 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 the, in the UK, mm. firearm crime, again that nasty term that we don't really like, but, mm. but crimes committed with firearms, with the use of firearms, mm. have shot through the roof. Australia... Lauded as a as, as, an, as an as a success story for gun control yes. is in fact exactly the opposite.
1: Yeah. Can we take one or two questions we received from our uh, Legal Talk SA members? Uh, here's one, which is it goes into some detail. The situation is as follows: It's an anonymous. It was posted by Cass, who's one of the administrators. She says a family member recently sold their firearm to a person claiming to be a representative of a gun shop. She had it posted. She had posted an ad on a well-known firearm trading website, and the purchaser made contact via the site. The purchaser arrived the same evening to pay for and pick up the firearm. He paid cash with genuine notes. I checked, filled in all the applicable paperwork, and placed the firearm in a weapons pouch which was sealed. Contact from the gun shop was supposed to be made the next morning, and obviously, this gent nor the shop was ever heard from again. She goes on to a bit here. What can they be charged with? What are the likely sentences for these charges? As the transaction took place at my home, how liable or at risk am I? Have you seen this? Was this posted on yours as well? No, no, I'll tell you why mind. I asked that, because many people replied to, on the mm. legal talk. They said, if it's a firearm-related matter, contact GOSA on their Facebook foot. <laughs> there you go.
2: Yeah. And they contact me. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to answer that, Gary, because you've got to distinguish between the purchaser and the seller. Yes. Like in virtually all other criminal offenses, there has to be intent. So if the seller (coughs) did not know that there was a possible contravention of the Firearms Control Act, there can be no intent, Um, and therefore there cannot be an offense. Mm. On the other hand, if the purchaser was not a genuine uh, licensed dealer in firearms, and that firearm has now gone into the illegal pool for whatever reason – then the seller must go and report the loss of that firearm to the South African police services. So my recommendation would be that, if in doubt, go make a report to the police anyway. Yes. Secondly, and I think this... Sorry, where where should they make the report? Is at the, the nearest police station. At the charge office. Go to the charge office. Yeah. Um, secondly, this also speaks to... Um, Some of the inherent weaknesses In the Firearms Mm. Control Act Because besides the fact That I would never recommend to anybody That such a transaction take place In such a nature You should only do it in a properly licensed um, Dealer's premises Where the license to trade will be on display Just like a liquor license So you know that you're going into A properly licensed authorized firearm dealer um, the Firearms Control Act doesn't regulate this type of environment, unfortunately. Correct. And that's one of the, the, the significant weaknesses, which I might add that licensed firearm owners and licensed dealers have highlighted since the inception of the legislation and which has yet to be addressed.
1: Cool. What happens, there's another question from Bra Dan, what happens on the death of a registered gun owner, you, you ask? It's
2: Regulation 103, the nearest relative... Or the executor, because it takes time to appoint an executor, can take possession of it. If they don't have a safe, they must give it to someone that's got a competency certificate in the safe. Bottom line, simplest procedure is go to a gun shop, check it into a gun shop. They will look after it. They will charge a small fee until such time as um, whoever is due to take transfer of the firearm can then take legal transfer of it.
1: Cool. Paul, what happens if I forget to renew my license is a question.
0: Okay, well that's an interesting one. It's a particular <laughs> thank you very much, Martin. Eighth
2: of February 2017. sixteen. <laughs> we're
0: waiting. Um yeah, look, there's there's been a bit of a hoo ha about this. Uh the situation is, is is as such. Um in the first place we need to differentiate between licenses which are renewable and licenses which aren't renewable. And in terms of the of, of licenses which aren't renewable, I'm talking about the old licenses, what we typically call the green licenses. The old ID book licenses, the green Card with the with the with the one person's thumb on the back. Everyone's got the same thumbprint on the back of their cards, by the way. Thumbprint means nothing. Um, It's actually a police member. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, no. Somebody, somebody obviously sold the technology um, to the police to to do to do thumbprints, but without without having any back end to it.
1: Are you joking with this? No, I'm dead
0: serious. It is the same thumbprint. It's the same thumbprint on all on all license cards. Really? Yes. It's a complete... It's supposed to be a, biogra- a, a biographical uh, um, identifier. It means nothing do at we, all.
1: Do, do all your members know this? Yeah, I'm Is pretty it, sure
0: everybody knows it by now.
2: If they didn't, they don't know. I'm ta- well, yeah. I, if you look at the top left-hand side of the thumbprint, you'll see that there's the same anomaly in all of the licenses.
0: Yeah. Anyway, to, but that, that aside, those licenses, of course, aren't subject to renewal. Yes. Um, those licenses have been declared by the by the North Gauteng High Court to still be valid. Um, and... Until such time as the situation is is changed by by the courts, uh, those licenses will remain valid. Um, so those need, those no, those don't need to be renewed. the The white licenses, which we refer to as the Firearms Control Act licenses, uh, which are subject to renewal in five or ten years, depending on their category. Um, those ones, the, the first lot of those, have started to come up for renewal in the last in the last uh, two years. Uh, problem with that is is the police seem to have messed it up horribly. Um, so there's no notifications going out to people to tell them that their licences need to be renewed. When the people come to renew their licences, the police find all sorts of reasons and ways in which to, to delay taking in the the applications. Uh, your competence has expired. You need to reapply for your competence, which is bull dust. Um, so the people go away to renew their competence. They come back and the police say, "Sorry, you're now past your past the." The, the 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 expiry date or you, you with inside the in, within the ninety day period before expiry we can't accept your license application mm-hmm. so then the guys go away and they they're now going to become in unlawful possession of their firearm so so a number of court cases took place um, it's been going on for a couple of years can I make two quick the continue. end of that is going to be in we were running February out of time you didn't
2: make it quick I'm yeah. um, talking faster, okay if your license has expired don't worry um do not take it to a police station. Please. Do don't you, pass go. Don't collect do, your Do not go and hand it in. Yeah. The situation is going to be... Do leag- not be bullied
0: by the SAPS do, into handing it don't in.
2: Don't be bullied. Quite correct. Um, the situation will be legally clarified um, sometime early next year. It's in the constitutional court on the 8th of February. Um, the issues are very significant, but uh, my view is that there's a court order that covers anyone with uh, an expired license. I've not had any reports of anyone being arrested If you it, do contact Martin Hood Or, or Gozer, or Gozer yeah. um, And we would love to know because I would be the first Attorney in line to take government to task On that
1: Yeah, Guys we have uh, less than a minute Quickly Paul anything you want to end off with Paul Oxley Yeah,
0: yeah look if you're a firearm owner uh, Enjoy your firearms um, <laughs> Use them where, where, where it's where it's safe and, and, uh, and reasonable to use them Within the law If you're not a firearm owner Become a firearm owner. Uh, it's, it's a great way for people are to. Are you de- talking self defense or are you talking for. Any kind for sport? of firearm ownership. Yeah. If you find that people start as a self defense firearm owner, then they get into sports shooting and they think, what a wonderful world this is. Mm. They go hunting and they discover that they have a, a, a yen for hunting. Um, firearms are, attract a particular type of person, a person who's prepared to take responsibility for themselves and their own lives and their environment. Uh, We find that that the traits amongst firearm owners in general are what unite them. The fact that they are responsible We're more intelligent
2: than other people. Well, (laughs) I wouldn't want to say that, Martin, but but you would in any case. (laughs) Guys, we
1: have to go. Just before I let you go, there's one podcast, please, you have to listen to. It's uh, on Cliff Central. It was done on the 12th of September this year, and Martin and I discussed when you can use lethal force to protect your life, your possessions, and your loved ones. It's an absolute must, Lines, you remember that one? It's a must for all firearm owners. Please, if you've missed it, pick it up. Many thanks to you, Paul, for making your way here. I hope you'll put this up on the GOSA website or Facebook page. I think everyone will want to hear this one. Give us a link to it and we'll put it up there. Cool. Very interesting. Many thanks to you. Uh, Martin, we have another show coming up. You're going to be part of that. It's about spanking your own child very it's it's brand new there's a court case that just came out we're going to deal with it on a separate podcast uh, to our listeners listening live don't run away to people who have listened to this on podcast please try and pick up the other podcast on hitting your own child whether you can or can't until next time cheers
0: this is com.